Our reading this morning uh, is from the Gospel of John. So if you would like to stand as we read from John chapter 8. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We're descendants of Abraham, and we've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place for you in my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your father does. They said to him, we are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now I am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. May the words that we share transform us into the likeness of Christ whom we seek to serve and follow. Amen. Please be seated. So as it turns out, thousands of years of human history would tell us this, truth is actually quite a complicated commodity. If we visit the great libraries of the world, the great universities of the world, if we go to the places where wise people have gathered, we better understand that truth actually isn't always easy to access. Especially truth that sets someone free. We all know of lawyers at the moment who have been fighting for decades to get to the truth of a matter on which somebody's freedom depends. And certainly here in Australia at the moment, getting to the truth about uh, behaviour that might go on amongst politicians and their staff, or getting to the truth about vaccines and their safety and their efficacy is a pretty complex business. So what about the truth that sets us free by remaining in God's word? Is that any less complex? 
very easy for us to say, we follow Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. It's very easy for us to say, we live knowing the truth and the truth sets us free. It has it, does it. What does that look like? It gets pretty complex, doesn't it, when we look around the church and how truth is tightly held by different streams of the church. And I'm not simply talking about the Anglican communion. I'm talking about the wider church, the church around the world, the church uh, over the last 2,000 years, the church in all its expressions in the world today. If we use the analogy from last Sunday's sermon, we would say the truth is held tightly by different branches, all on the same vine, nurtured from the one source of love and goodness. However, all is not lost. I think in John's Gospel, we do, um, John offers us relief from this dilemma, don't you think? Because in John's biography, of Jesus the Christ, we are offered a starting point that has no ambiguity. The starting point that John provides us with in his very first chapter is that the Logos, the Word, the beginning, the creator of all things, is the light of the world, is the truth that sets us free, but most importantly is the Son who has come from the Father, fully God and yet fully human and able to live alongside us, with us, helping us on our grand quest. Because truly, what is life if it is not a grand quest for the truth about who God is and who we can be? as we live in relationship with God. By remaining in the word of God the Father, John tells us we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. So at its core, knowing the truth is not about what we know up here. Knowing the truth is about relationship, abiding as we explored last week, being in, dwelling in, making our abode in God. Remaining in the word of God, living in the word of God, involves these things, listening. What is the word? The word as we read the scriptures, the living word is the spirit guides us and enlightens us. The word creation is often called the fifth gospel. How do we, what is, the, what is creation saying to us as it reveals God, the life of God to us? What is the word saying and expressing and inviting us to listening? And then learning, how might we, um, how might what we hear and understand transform us? Learning is all about not staying the same. Learning is about growing and moving forward and gaining understanding. Thirdly, remaining in the word involves persistence in seeking understanding, not giving up. It gets difficult. It gets tough. 
we hit those times in life when we go, what is the point? What is the point? We need to apply persistence because where else do we turn? Where else do we turn to find life-giving truth? We also need to be persistent in understanding so that we don't become smug. And we think, okay, I actually have got a pretty good handle on this now and I'm pretty content with what I know and understand. And we give up that persistence in understanding. But that means that we still fall short of living in the word and understanding truth as well as we might. And then finally, this is the tough bit, as if the other parts aren't, obedience. Remaining in the word involves obedience. Living in ways that are consistent with God's command to love, as we have been loved by the Father. There is no taller order in all of life than to love others as we have been loved by God. And not with easy love or trivial love, but with complete love, with agape love. So these marks of discipleship, we become Jesus' disciples when we listen, when we learn, when we persist with understanding, and when we live in obedience. We become disciples when we accept what we have to say about the love of God and the demands that it makes on our lives. The demands of love free us to be truly ourselves, which sometimes means giving up our life for the sake of others. Oscar Romero was born into a large family on, in 1917 in El Salvador. And although the family had more money than many of their neighbours, Oscar's family had neither electricity nor running water in their small home, and the children slept on the floor. Oscar's parents couldn't afford to send the children to school after the age of 12, so Oscar went to work as an apprentice carpenter. And he quickly showed great skill. However, Oscar was already committed to becoming a priest. He'd already determined in his heart that was God's calling on his life. And so he entered a seminary at the age of 14 and he was ordained a priest at the age of 25 in 1942. Recognising the power of radio to reach people, he convinced five radio stations to broadcast his Sunday sermons. And this wasn't during COVID, this is just because they could. He, um, five radio stations to broadcast Sunday sermons to peasant farmers who believed that they were unwelcome in the churches. We've been talking as a team as we prepare for Easter that we don't know who's going to turn up. We've invited families from Rainbow Town. We've invited um, families who've had children baptised over the last few years. These may not be people who are comfortable walking into this space or familiar with what goes on here. Um, but we've invited them and we hope that some will come and we know that with our community here, they will find a welcome. In 1970, Oscar Romero became uh, 
a bishop in San Salvador, um, and he uh, was described as a conservative because he didn't want to break from tradition. He supported the hierarchy who encouraged conformity and was uncomfortable with social action that challenged political leaders. When we become with uncomfortable social action that challenge political leaders, we only need to read the Book of Acts to see that actually that kind of discomfort has been part of the church's history and it's taken people who've been prepared to stand up uh, to the truth. So during his two years as Bishop of Santiago de Maria, Ramiro was horrified to find that children were dying because their parents couldn't pay for simple medicine. He began using the resources of the diocese and his own personal resources to help people living in poverty. He knew that simple charity wasn't enough though. And so he wrote in his diary that people who are poor should not just receive handouts from the church or the government, but participate in changing their lives for the future. In 1977, he became Archbishop of San Salvador. And the situation in El Salvador was becoming worse and he couldn't remain silent any longer. The military were killing the Salvadorian people, especially those demanding justice, people like teachers, nuns and priests, including Romero's um, good friends. Thousands of people began to go missing and Romero demanded that the president of El Salvador thoroughly investigate the killings. However, the president failed to do so. So in his actions and words, Romero demanded a peace that could only be found by ensuring people had access to basic needs and that their rights were upheld. He raised awareness globally about people in his country who had been killed or had disappeared. And when he visited the Vatican in 79, he presented the Pope with seven detailed reports about people who had uh, been known to be killed or to have gone missing. <clears throat> In 1979, the number of people being killed rose to more than 3,000 per month. Oscar Romero had nothing left to offer his people except faith and hope. He continued to use the radio broadcast of his Sunday sermons to tell people what was happening throughout the country, to talk about the role of the church and to offer his listeners hope that they wouldn't suffer and die in vain. On the 23rd of March, 1980, it's not very long ago, after reporting the previous week's deaths and disappearances, Oscar Romero began to speak directly to soldiers and to policemen. I beg you, I implore you, I order you in the name of God, stop the repression. And the following evening, while saying mass in the chapel of Divine Providence Hospital, Archbishop Oscar Romero was shot by a paid assassin. Only moments before his death, Romero spoke these words. Those who surrender to the service of the poor through love of Christ will live like the grain of wheat that dies. The harvest that comes because of the grain that dies. So like many great leaders who have fought for truth, Oscar Romero was killed and became a martyr in the church. 
but his voice could not be silenced and he has become a symbol of hope in a country that has suffered poverty, injustice and violence and certainly um, beyond his own country. And so as we think about our discipleship, our listening and our learning and our persistence and our obedience, when we apply those, we find that we are freed. We, are, we do become free, perhaps from four, maybe more than four things, but perhaps from these four things, from fear. We become free from ourselves and the things that hold us back. We become free from undue influence from other people. And we become free from those parts of our lives that can easily be trapped by things that aren't life-giving. So let us, like Oscar Ramiro, recognise that as children of God, we are free to live in ways that reveal God's truth. And that is often a really complicated and difficult business. And let us, like Oscar Ramiro, be aware that when we live as true disciples of Jesus, the love of God that we have seen and known in Jesus will inform how we might bring freedom, life, justice and peace to the lives of others simply in our everyday lives. Amen.